It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. And good evening. I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to this edition of Bring It On. We're a multiple award-winning show celebrating 15 years as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. In today's broadcast, we're also going to have an October 26, 2015 interview with Liam Parker-Taylor, son of Carrie Parker-Taylor, who was Indiana University's first African American woman to matriculate to IU in 1898. Leon passed away on Friday, October 25th, and we'll hear more about his about this remarkable gentleman all in the next hour on Bring It On. But first, Stafford C. Berry Jr., or Baba Stafford, and we have to find out what the Baba stands for, so we'll ask him a little bit later in this, in this interview, is an esteemed artist, educator, activist, and scholar of African-rooted dance, theater, and aesthetics nationally and internationally. His extensive career includes 12 years with Chuck Davis's African American Dance Ensemble. Now, on this coming Saturday, November the 9th, beginning at 7.30 at the IU Auditorium, the African American Arts Institute's Potpourri of the Arts will feature performances by the African American Dance Company, African American Choral Ensemble, and IU Soul Review with special host, and now this is a special host MC, Bootsy Collins. Now, I just took some of you all back to the 70s and 80s by mentioning that name. But yes, the one and only Bootsy Baba Collins. Uh, joining us to talk more about this upcoming event is the, is the director of the IU African American Dance Company, Mr. Stafford C. Berry Jr. Mr. Berry, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you so very much. Uh, I first want to thank you for pressing out today because I know every day of this week there are fine-tuning performances that are taking place as everybody's not only learning uh, and sharpening their craft for Saturday, but uh, they could do it in their sleep at this point, I would imagine. But uh, nevertheless, it was a push, and you accommodated us, and thanks for coming out today. I also want to um, do something unusual. I We both know the lady who just produced uh, that phenomenal show, Kite Lime, uh, Miss Mia Beach, and uh, we were just sitting here commenting on how, just how dedicated and committed she is to that show. And uh, Mr. B- uh, uh, Barry, you had said that you had had a conversation with her not too long ago about her uh, program and, and the impact that that's having. So we just want to give a little shout out to, uh, to Mia Beach today. All right, I want to introduce this gentleman. Um, some of you uh, have never met him. He is sort of new to the Bloomington community. I'd say 2017 is when he arrived. Uh, but he's made a, a, a lasting impact and has followed uh, an incredible director uh, who preceded him. And uh, but at this time, we want to uh, introduce to everyone Mr. Stafford C. Berry Jr. Now, can we call you Stafford, Mr. Berry, Baba? Or maybe now's the time Both. to ask uh, <laughs> what, what Baba means, if, uh, you, if, you, if you can. Yes. Um, so Baba, in, in the African dance community, um, sort of worldwide and definitely in this country, Baba um, is the accepted term for your male-identified um, um, 
teachers and elders and mentors. And of course, it comes from many different languages um, where Baba means father or, or teacher. Okay. And, and being in the role that you're in as director, instructor, inspire and all those things, uh, you, that title befits you um, uh, very well. You're here since 2017. How's the tenure going? It is moving really quickly, um, much quicker than I thought it would move. Um, I am in the third year of my initial three-year contract, and it seems just yesterday I landed here um, mm-hmm. in Bloomington, and now this is the third year. So lots have has transpired, um, and, but it's moving really, really quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. th- these first years were about me acclimating to the university and to Bloomington, and so I'm still doing some of that. I, I recall having a conversation with uh, Charles Sykes, who Dr. Charles Sykes, who's the executive director of the uh, African American Arts Institute, and he was literally telling me that uh, you were coming on board, and I think at the same time James Strong was was coming on board, and of course uh, Raymond Wise had been here for some time, Correct. but uh, he was putting all the pieces together, uh, and he was uh, elated that you were about to arrive in town. So three years just has just sort of blown by real quickly. It really has, yeah. And I, I notice in your um, in your bio that you are proficient in a particular dance form that you have been teaching. You're a certified teacher of the Umfundele, and I hope I said that right, technique. And you've taught this, you've choreographed it, and you've performed African-rooted dance nationally and internationally. Can you yes. talk about that a little bit? Yes. So the Mafundala, that was really close, and it's okay. Mafundala. Mafundala. Yep. Okay. Um, it, and it's deceiving because it starts with a U, but you first mentioned the M in pronouncing it. Okay. Um, the technique, that is. Um, it, the progenitor of that technique is Dr. Kariyamu Welsh, um, who is a well-known African dance scholar, the first... Um, um, American African American woman who was the, the 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 director of the National Dance Company of Zimbabwe, um, but anyway, she created a Pan African contemporary African dance technique, and uh, those of us who were with her in Philadelphia during this sort of the second phase of her creation of the technique, we were steeped in it, and we you know she certified us to then go out and be able to share this technique with with others and with the public. And so, yeah, I'm one of the, the first um, um, generations of certified teachers of this technique that's about to celebrate its, uh, what anniversary is this? I think it's the, the 40th or the 50th, I lose track, okay. but it's been around right. for a while. And the origins, again, are what part of Africa? Um, it, 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 it actually comes from all over. Be, okay. As a researcher herself, she traveled to various parts of Africa and the diaspora and sort of collected um, essential movements that she felt belong in a canon of movement forms for a particular style that she was creating, um, and then named those movements based on where she experienced them or how she experienced them, uh, and just created a systematic approach with teaching the movements in a classroom and studio format. Um, and so it's a really wonderful technique for folks in this country to study because it gives you access to the plight of African-American people via its movement. It's a really wonderful system that I rely on more these days uh, for the aesthetics and the philosophy. Um, but then, you know, soon after that, I, I toured internationally with um, Chuck Davis's in, um, African-American dance <laughs> company, and that's how I got to perform sort of on, on stages all around the world. <laughs> You know, without question, the influence of the, the 
African, uh, well, the, well, the impact of the African influence in dance uh, has uh, just is international. It's, it's totally worldwide, and but yet a lot of people don't acknowledge it. But yet the movement, the the expression, the subtleties, um, you, you really at times. Sometimes you can't teach it. It has to sort of be innate in individuals or? Most definitely. I, I say, you know, it, it has to come from someplace in your life uh, where you've been able to tap into it, either through growing up in sort of the waters or in the stew, and so it was all around you and you couldn't help but, but to know it. Mm-hmm. But also even through what we know in the technique is epic memory and this idea that there is something that gets passed down in the DNA of folk where they automatically or innately know and or know how to do certain things. Um, and so the technique definitely, definitely acknowledges that. But I would say, I mean, for me, African dance is the beginning of all dance. It makes sense to me, looking at who the oldest people are. But looking at the trajectory of dance as a field, it also is the, the, the omega, if you will. Like I see people resorting back to, you know, after they've gone off from the nest and, and, and learned and discovered and created all kinds of things from modern dance to then postmodern dance, then contemporary dance. I see things veering back, so to speak, and shifting back to this idea of an Africanist aesthetic. And this is people who do all kinds of dance. You know, as you were just describing is something in your DNA and for those parents out there when you look at your children and you see you in their movements or their mannerisms maybe even in their speech mm-hmm. uh, the time I hear myself talking I hear my father's voice mm-hmm. uh, and those are things that uh, are passed down mm-hmm. and it's not quite a jump or leap to understand how rhythmic motion or, or some things that truly are embedded in you from somewhere else, a different time, a different place. Right. So it, it's it's really remarkable that um, as we as you are exploring and, and learning and researching and then teaching movement, uh, it's phenomenal. And one thing I want to point out uh, for those who maybe are on the fence and have not yet decided to go out and uh, make your purchase of your ticket to go see the potpourri, you might want to do it because I noticed this one thing that does happen. Uh, with all the performances, both IU Soul Review, Choral Ensemble, and the dance company, there is a visual element to it. Yes. And then if you close your eyes, there's a rhythmic something to it. Yes, most definitely. Color, vibrancy of color, mm-hmm. and then, of course, the movement. Uh, so it hits maybe three out of the five senses, maybe more mm-hmm. at, at one time. Mm-hmm. So uh, truly, if if for those who, and we're going to say this a lot during this interview, this Saturday, November the 9th at 7.30 at the IU Auditorium, uh, and we'll give you a phone number to call to, to make uh, a decision to make the purchase. Um, and um, you you will be uh, not just entertained, but there, there are lessons that you'll learn as well. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about going back to your tenure. Uh, you, you do follow an individual um, who had big dancing shoes, Okay. <laughs> I put it lightly. <laughs> huge. Okay. Huge, huge dancing shoes. I'm not saying she had big feet, but she made a big impact, a big, big uh, imprint on, on, on IU's um, dance. Uh, everything sort of just the heart and soul of a lot of movement over there. 
Uh, of course, we're talking about Dr. Iris Rosa. Uh, I call her Dr. Iris Rosa, a uh, longtime friend of mine. And there was recently, uh, well, back on in, in November last year, on the uh, and um, the dedication took place in eighteen. Uh, there was a floor dedication. Correct. Uh, and can you tell us a little bit about that? I think it was themed on sacred grounds. Correct. And what was your impression of what you experienced during that? It was a historical moment for me. I had never experienced anything like that before. In fact, you know, I had, hadn't experienced anything like the dance company before I arrived here. I hadn't even heard of it. Um, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit, but it, it was like the dance company was this big old secret. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, so November, around the same time as Potpourri, um, last year in 2018, um, the the powers that be, and that's the the the, um, the Black Alumni Association, you know, felt it necessary to acknowledge history and to acknowledge the presence of the dance company and to acknowledge the power that black folk can have, you know, with their spiritual and social community, but also with their dollars, by naming the floor after the founding artistic director at a university. That is huge. And she's still living. And so for me, it was a historical, like, wide-eyed, you know, gasping moment because I had never been a part of anything like that um, at an academic institution. It was was awe-inspiring for me, um, and and it was awe-inspiring for me to be a part of the legacy that Professor Rosa started and to take what she learned or what she um, placed on that sacred ground and allow me to step in and and plant some seeds and grow different things that are still connected to what she what she established. You know, I um, one of the things that I teased Dr. Rosa you said that she's still living and yeah. in most places this is like a posthumous type of thing right but you know, she's still get out there oh yeah and, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I have her do it as much as possible I have her participate um, whenever she's around I certainly want her energy to remain not, not only so that the, the current students can know who she is you know the person who was you know in, in many ways singularly resp- not singularly but in many ways singularly responsible for them, for the space that they are now very easily able to, to travel upon, but that that they get to, to have a conversation with her. That's right. Well, uh, if you will, I heard that there have been some renovations uh, in the dance company on the floor itself and in the, in the space. Talk about that, if you will. Yeah, most recently. In fact, we're we're, we're sort of finishing up now. Um, Renovations. Um, it it just is awe inspiring to me as well. Like I mean, that's a theme. You know, the the floor was named in her honor, but then what I what I knew when uh, in accepting the position was that the floor that currently that was there was not safe enough for us to dance on in the ways that I wanted us to dance on um, during my time. And so I I, I said we we're going to have to get this floor changed into a, a sprung floor that's suitable for the, the kind of, you know, very hard um, pounding that we do um, that, that's related to the, the you know, the, the motherland dances in Africa. Okay, explain to us what a sprung floor is. Yes, sir. Um, initially, just that, um, at some point um, during the 
you know, the the rise of dance, particularly modern dance, um, someone got the notion that, you know, there needed to be a different and safer way for dancers to be able to do the kinds of things they wanted to do in the studio. Right. And so literally just like a sprung mattress and those initial you know early on versions of this this the this coiled mattresses they had springs under them not the kind that you may necessarily imagine but they were certainly springs that allowed the floor to absorb absorb as we were talking about um, earlier shock and and not press back or pound back into the dancer's body like you know dancing on cement wood or dancing on a non-sprung floor wood you just took us back to the 70s and 80s <laughs> when that is exactly what happened when the initial dance floor mm-hmm. was in a sort of a retrofitted sorority house mm-hmm. look at it where the where the current black culture center is right and they danced in the basement right and of course she told me about the many times that there were shin splints um, I mean, things that literally w- would damage the dancers and they went to other spaces. And again, that concept of spaces mm-hmm. on campus mm-hmm. until finally um, the will was, was so overpowering that uh, there was a movement started, a momentum gain, and then ultimately you're, you're, you're where you are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but thank you for that because I saw that phrase sprung floor and my mind was sort of trying to piece that together. <laughs> um, if you've just tuned in, we're having a, a wonderful conversation uh, this evening with Mr. Stafford C. Berry, Jr., who is the director of the IU African American Dance Company. Uh, he's been in this uh, position uh, since 2017, and this is now your third potpourri of the arts. It is. And, uh, yeah, before you know it, there'll be five, and there'll be ten. I and, know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he's talking about what's what's to come this coming Saturday again, uh, something to look forward to, and we encourage you to Go online. We'll provide a phone number that you can call and get more information. Now, there are other ensembles that will be uh, taking part in the potpourri. The IU Soul Review, who the director is Mr. James Strong, and the African American Choral Ensemble, and again, Dr. Raymond Wise. Uh, Can you talk to us about some of the other elements uh, that we'll see on Saturday night? Yeah, without really giving everything away, um, this was an opportunity for us, the three ensemble directors, and for our executive director, Dr. Charles Sykes, who is our fearless leader, to <laughs> to um, inject a little bit of this momentum that's associated with the bicentennial right. um, into our performance. But for me personally, um, also a, a very important moment for us to inject some of the excitement that's happening with black folks um, in general um, in our IU and Bloomington communities and then out from there. Like this is the 50th anniversary of the African American and African Diaspora Studies Department, the 50th anniversary of the Neil Marshall Black Culture Center. It's the 45th anniversary of the African American Arts Institute, the umbrella organization for all three ensembles. It's um, the um, the the um, the fiftieth anniversary of of the the fight for LGBTQ plus rights from Marsha P. Johnson when she first threw that rock through and was not having it anymore. Um, and it's the four hundredth anniversary of the arrival of the first documented 20 enslaved African people to this place that we now know as the United States. So mm-hmm. all of that energy, quite frankly, for me personally, I was I was trying to negotiate how to inject some um, importance of, for, for the intersectionality of all of that right. at this moment that IU is celebrating its bicentennial. Right. And 
I will say that, uh, again, we talked about how color and, and sound and lighting, even special lighting. And then there's is even performance to spoken word. Yes. Uh, the last time we attended, there were, there was spoken word and infused with the movement. Yes. Um, even the choral ensemble, of course, with the, the other directors, they always seek to teach as well as entertain. And yes. so it's not just entertainment. You will be taught by all three ensembles. Yes. And they take a special time to just say, you're going to hear this element, listen closely for this, or this genre is maybe initially from Motown, but then again, it, it goes further back, mm-hmm. further than Motown. Mm-hmm. And so the audience is now an active participant yes. in, the, in, the, in the experience. I wish I knew what year this, this is for the potpourri. Would you know by chance? This is our, I want to say our 26th, because I think last year was our 25th okay. anniversary. Okay. Um, now, you mentioned earlier right. your experiences with the Chuck Davis African American Dance Company. Talk about your 12 years touring with them. Yeah, and actually, that's, you know, that's a misprint. It was actually 14 years 14 that years. I spent touring um, with him. And uh, he is, I call him my dance father, and may he rest in peace, but mm-hmm. he was responsible for teaching me, along with, of course, we already talked about Mama Kariyama Welsh, but he was responsible for teaching me vicariously a lot of the philosophies that I hold dear and that I share currently right now with, you know, here at IU. Um, he was a man that didn't take no for an answer. I mean, the reason why he started his first company before the company I was with, the Chuck Davis Dance Company, is because he was very confused about seeing the tar, you know, Tarzan on TV and wanted folks to know that Africa was a different place than they right. saw on that right. on that Tarzan show. Right. Um, but he 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 is solely responsible for, like I said, a, at least seventy five percent of the philosophies I currently use today. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you're right. Um, it just happened to be watching one on uh, Turner Classic Movies, uh, this old Jungle Queen series they used to have, and there's always this element of their interpretation of cultural sharing. Right. But but what what is really and 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 best guess nothing more than sort of vaudevillian. Uh, mm-hmm. but nevertheless there is a craft and as you talked about the DNA, something that was passed down. And that's probably one of the reasons why you could put some songs on now and even little children know how to begin to move in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And this is cross cultural. Mm-hmm. I mean there, there there tends to be this movement and you're standing, standing there looking and saying, well, where do they learn that from? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some things that are being shared yeah. uh, uh, down through the uh, culture. So 12 years with the Chuck Davis African American Dance uh, Company. And then you were heading up uh, the American Dance Festival for some time. You were one of the faculty members I was on, on there. faculty there for five years, and I took a break. And I actually taught again last year so I'm who knows if I'll be doing it again this summer it just depends on how much space and time I have and whether or not they want me to teach but yeah I've, I've been on their roster for for a number of years as one of their main faculty um, so I'm, I'm very proud of that and always excited to work with the American Dance Festival and that's bringing talent from around the country around the world around the world it's for, an international dance festival it, people come from China people come from Europe um, other places in Europe, uh, folks come from New York. From from some folks are right there in Durham, North Carolina, where it takes place at mm-hmm. Duke University. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and so it's it's 
um, at the last last summer, um, there was a poll that was taken about how many uh, folks were international, and at least half of the folk there attending the festival were international students. Excellent. Uh, tell me this. Um, one of the things that I imagine that happens with dance is that those who sign up, you know, it's a course at IU. It's not come entertain or come perform, whatever. This is a course, come yes. learn. Yes. And by the way, you're going to exhibit what you're learning. <laughs> yes. Um, and and uh, you all traveled internationally, am I right? Uh, um, the company has. The company, and this is before my, my time, but the company has tra- traveled to China. Uh, the company has traveled to Jamaica. The company has traveled to Cuba. Okay. Um, now, I, I have not... I. With with me, the company has traveled to New York. We did a city. Um, we did a um, a performance um, at the Alvin Ailey Center for the American Dance Guild um, last year in October, which was a humongous success. Um, but we, you know, we I took the babies right to a New York City stage, like right to what some people deem is the heart or the capital of dance. And how, and how many now will be able to look back on their college experience? Right. And say, I went here. I right. did this. I took part in that. Right. And now we all understand the passion of the alumni who were members of the African American Dance Company. Right. Uh, who can come back and still probably, <laughs> especially on this new sprung floor. I'm going to ask you, can I probably do a six foot leap on, on this sprung floor now? Yes, you can do an 11 <laughs> foot if you should have the gumption to. And I eventually want to uh, want to. I haven't made this public yet. I guess it's the first place I've made it public. I, I want to do a piece with alum at one point. At Good. some point Good. soon. Uh, and I used to hear that at, at some of the potpourris years ago that there was like an all well, or maybe the spring concert. I think there was like an all call for alumni to come up and do a number. That was a standard that they all would know. And I, we're talking maybe the more of the singing. Uh, ensembles okay and maybe well dance maybe they could be in the background doing just <laughs> right. certain hand gestures right you know right, right, right. but right, uh, right. but you know you, you look at individuals and, and i'll and i'll just mildred morgan ball mm-hmm. who danced here at iu mm-hmm. and this lady who um i would say is a contemporary of my parents mm-hmm. uh can still get out there it's the Africanist way, right? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Supposedly, when you get older as a dancer, you get better because you get better. you're more knowledgeable about life. And African dances are about the passages of life. So it only seems, it seems to make sense that as you get older and acquire more knowledge, that you do get better. And you could fight arthritis and rheumatism beside all those good things uh-huh. with a little bit of a uh, little bit of soul. In <laughs> okay, uh, there there is the Barry and Nance Dance Project. Tell us about that. That's a dance initiative with um, my best friend and and dance partner who currently teaches at um, um, U of I at Urbana Urbana Champaign, um, University of Illinois Urbana Champaign, um, and he really, for the most part, is teaching kind of the same things. Not ne- not necessarily a dance company, but teaches in the same ways um, that I teach here. He teaches for both. Um, um, African American studies or Black studies over there, and their their dance department, which is um, a division under the theater um, umbrella. Um, we have known each other since we were teenagers, mm-hmm. right outside of Philadelphia, growing up in our beloved city of Ch- hometown of Chester, Pennsylvania. And um, we, at one point, because or like minded about, even though we're very different people, like minded about some things, decided it would be best for us to collaborate our ideas. 
And so we've been doing that in partnership since we were teenagers, really, but made it into a professional endeavor um, once we, we then ourselves got out there into the professional world and continue to do so. And that partnership has led us to choreograph dances together, um, present and participate in writing together, um, but also establish initiatives um, for black men together because that's one of our particular target audiences because you know there were black men that were there for us and that taught us mm-hmm. when we were growing up and we you know definitely wanted to you know pass that tradition on but also because we knew what it was like to grow up in our environment you know we thought what well, what better way to help educate other young black men by sharing our experiences with them and letting them see right in front of them, the pathway towards success, the pathway toward excellence, and that dance can be that for right, them. Right, uh, I, I will say that one of the alums of the uh, dance company went on to perform with Rent, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, perform with Rent when it had its long run. Uh, are there any other alums that uh, have gone on to do some things on Broadway that uh, we've not yet uh, recorded down yet? I don't know if it's been Broadway, although Possibly, I don't know that information. Um, I would certainly like to know it myself. If it's if it's sure, true, sure. but I do know that there have been some folk, and I, I don't know any names in particular of sort of those folks who have been become shooting stars and, and risen toward um, a particular level of professional success um, in dance. And they were alum of the dance company, and, and that's not to 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 confuse or or to belittle folks who have at the community level been certainly very very successful. We have certainly. lots of alumni that that's right. that um, continue to bring folks to our workshop that happens in March um, where we host where we have two days of um, da- um, different kinds of diaspora dance forms come and descend um, on the campus and uh, we host those international um, dance makers and teachers but alums who who every year bring their students to who they're teaching students themselves and they bring their students so they're community shooting stars in that respect Vicky Casanova and a bunch of others and uh, as we are sort of winding things up now, we have less than a minute. I, I just want to personally give a shout out to someone you mentioned earlier who's sort of the uh, the presence behind the scenes, uh, someone who's been here for quite some time, who was a student, a performer, a tech person, and then has gone on to direct uh, the, the institute itself for, for many years. And, of course, we're talking about Dr. Charles Sykes. Mm-hmm. Uh, who learned from the very best, was was there with some of the forerunners, and of course everybody gives homage to Dr. Herman C. Hudson, Mm -hmm. who was a driving, motivating force behind all this. Just Mm want to say thank you, Dr. Sykes, for all your hard efforts and your good work. And uh, I know it's a great sense of pride as every year you sit back and watch both the potpourri and the spring concerts and all the performances that take place throughout the year Mm -hmm. and the travel abroad programs. um, And we just want to send a shout out to you. Uh, Okay, uh, Dr. Barry, if you'll leave us with a final word, um, uh, maybe an encouraging word for people to come out Saturday, we'll go ahead and uh, and, uh, end end this part of the uh, show. Come to the Potpourri of the Arts on November 9th at 7.30. That's Saturday, if it's raining or if it's sunshine. We promise that you will, via the show, be able to see yourselves either vicariously or even more directly as you want it to be up there on stage, singing, dancing, playing music, performing, reflecting the growing audience that's here at IU and here in Bloomington in this larger community. And it's 
like we talked about earlier, it's a moment for education and entertainment simultaneously. And we're very, very proud. And it's a strong performance, so it's too, you know, not to be missed. And with that, our thanks to Mr. Stafford C. Berry, Jr., director of the IE African American Dance Company, for joining us to provide an overview of the African American Arts Institute's Pulpery of the Arts that will feature performances by the African American Dance Company, African American Choral Ensemble, and IU Soul Review with special host MC, Bootsy Collins. Yes, you heard it from here. So if he starts singing Bootsy Rubber Band, you heard it here first. All right. Uh, the performance will take place this coming Saturday, November the 9th, as uh, Dr. Barry said, at 7.30 p.m. at the IU Auditorium. Tickets are available at the IU Auditorium box office. The contact number is 812-855-1103. Again, 812-855-1103. Thank you, Dr. Barry, for joining us. You're very welcome. Thank you. open submission policy so if you have an idea for this program let's hear it send an email to our volunteer staff the address is bring it on at wfhb.org we want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the african-american community with our listening audience in bloomington and beyond the email address once again is bring it on at wfhb.org now bring it on is indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the african-american community here on wfhb 91.3 fm and live on the web at wfhb.org. Also, want to make mention of something else that took place that was very meaningful on uh, Friday, November the 1st. There was a dedication of the George Taliferro statue, which now uh, resides at the North End Zone facility uh, at the IU Memorial, Memorial Stadium. Wonderful ceremony dedicating a beautiful statue to a beautiful human being. And many of us were touched by uh, Mr. Talaferro, and um, he was instrumental in the founding of the No Marshall Alumni Club, working with uh, the CODA organization, Children Organization on um, uh, Transplanted Organs. Uh, I know I'm slaughtering that, but he worked with the CODA organization here in town and has made such a major mark and in his own right was uh, a civil rights icon and one who advanced um, in our communities doing what's right. And for that, we uh, thank him for his legacy. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the hour, Leon Parker Taylor, son of Carrie Parker Taylor, who was Indiana University's first African-American woman to matriculate to IU in 1898. Uh, Leon passed away on Friday, October 25th 
at the age of 103. To honor his memory, we want to share an interview from an October 26th 2015 episode of Bring It On, which featured Mr. Taylor and Dina Kellums, who's director, who is director of uh, University Archives and associate librarian of University Archives. Here now is that conversation from Monday, October the 26th of 2015. On last week's show, Dina Kellums, director of Indiana University Archives and Records Management, and an associate librarian, shed light on her monumental research on Carrie Parker and elaborated on the impact this is having on IU and the Parker descendants. As indicated last week, we reached out to Mr. Leon Parker Taylor, the son of Carrie Parker, to join us for a joint follow-up conversation with Dina. Fortunately, he consented and is now on the line to speak with us. Mr. Taylor, welcome to Bring It On. All right. I was just wondering because I didn't get any answer there after you said just a minute I went, you went off the line on me. Yes, sir, and we're going to remedy that right now by welcoming you officially to the show. And, and thank you so much for accommodating us. I know we've had some scheduling uh, issues to work out, and we are so glad to have you on with us. And uh, with us, as I mentioned earlier, we have Dina Kellum. So, Dina, why don't you say hi to him? Hi, Mr. Taylor. How you doing? I'm doing very well, Dina, and thank you ever so much for what you have done. Well, you're welcome. It's so good to hear your voice again. Uh, Mr. Taylor, we wanted to follow up on a conversation we began last week with Dina. Uh, Dina went into, into great depth on the research that she conducted and discovering information on your mother, uh, Mrs. Carrie Parker. And, uh, Dina, if you just want to give us a thumbnail on that, and then we'll just segue into a little bit more enriching conversation with Mr. Taylor. Sure. Boy, that's really hard, but here's a quick thumbnail. Um, I found that Carrie Parker was the first African-American woman to attend Indiana University. It's information that had been forgotten by the university. Um, I came across a newspaper article uh, with the headline, First Negro Girl Enters IU. did some additional research to confirm that was indeed the case and found out some more information about her and her life and eventually was able to track down Mr. Taylor, her son, her youngest son. Uh, The family came to IU uh, over homecoming weekend, and the university rolled out the red carpet and um, announced that they've now named an endowed scholarship for Carrie Parker. Uh, They are commissioning a portrait to hang as part of the permanent collection in the Indiana Memorial Union uh, for uh, the women of IU. Um, And the Alumni Association named her an honorary alumna. So they are making up for lost time, wouldn't you say? I would say. I would say. Mr. Uh, Taylor, can you share with us uh, how you first met Dina? How did I meet her? Yes, sir. Uh, when uh, she called to find out if I was Carrie Parker's son and my daughter. Oh. Answered the phone and told me uh, one no was I, Carrie Parker's son. And a uh, conversation started up with uh, she sharing with you um a bit about her research into uh, the history of your mother and her time at IU. Can you recall any of uh, the stories that she shared with you um, as you were young and growing up? Well, in growing up, she always, my mother always was 
insisting on that we got an education. And uh, she told me somewhat of her life when she was in school and how she had trouble in elementary school getting past enough to go to high school that she could go to uh, college. And we, uh, she told us at that time that she had to take uh, three years of elementary school before she was graduated to go to high school. And then uh, in high school, she did very well. She was top in her class. And she was very disappointed when a girl that she, a white girl that she had worked with and helped graduate at the same time that she graduated would not sit beside her in graduation. That almost broke her heart. Uh, but she didn't give up. She went on to try to get in, well, made an application to get into Indiana University and was accepted. And she told, that was one story she told us about coming up. Um, Mr. Parker, this is Liz Mitchell. I'm sorry yeah. that I was unable to meet you when you came uh, to Bloomington. I have a question. You said that uh, uh, your mother was accepted at IU. At the time that they accepted her, did they realize that she was black? Well, that I don't know uh, whether they did or not. She never said anything. She never, she was accepted and went on to the Indiana U. Now, she never mentioned the fact that they doubted what she was or, how, or anything in that respect. She only had her problems in the elementary, as far as I know. Okay. Yeah, I can actually answer that. Um, it was the superintendent of her school that wrote a recommendation to the university, to the president of the university, um, and he specifically mentioned that she was colored and talked about how hard she had worked to get through school. And so they did. the university did know. What year was she accepted? 1898. Wow, so they were... Uh I guess you could assume that they were kind of open-minded or progressive in their thinking even back then. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Taylor, I'm, this is William Hosea. I'm kind of curious. Uh, do you know if any of your other family members attended IU following your mother's uh, attendance here? Well, none of my brothers or sisters uh, went to Indiana U. But right now, I mean, since then, I've had... Uh, Two nieces that graduated from Indiana U, but it wasn't Bloomington. One was from Indiana U in Gary. The other was from uh, Indianapolis. And they both took up, uh, got a doc not a doctor degree, but doctors. They were both doctors. I have a, a grand great-granddaughter now that went to Indiana U in Bloomington. That is, but she, her finances kind of run out on her, and she is now getting, working on her degree off campus. So uh, three of the family uh, personally have gone to Indiana U, one in Indianapolis, one in Gary, and the one at Bloomington. I wonder if they were aware of your mother's uh, history with Indiana University at all. Do you know? Oh, yes. My family knew it for, for all these years. Okay. I've known it. 
I'm just guessing at the fact that I was nine years old at least when I knew it. And as I think you know, I'm 99 now. So I've known it for 90 years that she went to in Indiana U. I don't know why Indiana U didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's now. a good question. You guys Dina, kept Dina, it you quiet. Have to ask him about that. <laughs> well, well, that that's one of the reasons why we were so grateful for Dina's research. What what sometimes appears to be coincidental is sort of just alignment and divinely inspired. And 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 Dina, again, you were doing research on a totally different topic and just ran across this. This clipping, this mm-hmm. this actual newspaper clipping, which led you on a, a trail, a journey, to just find out things about the family. But but tell us what you did when you found out that there was a, a living descendant who was her son. I called him the first chance I could. <laughs> um, you know, I had kind of given up in my search and just threw all of my research out there for everybody else to kind of latch on to on our department blog and the university archives. Um, but then people contacted me and pointed me to some additional resources that I didn't know about. And one of them kind of led me to the fact that there was still um, one of her children was living. Um, and so I contacted the public library uh, up where Mr. Taylor lives, and I said, can you look this gentleman up for me and see if he's still living there? Um, and by that evening, they had sent me his address and his telephone number. I called first thing in the morning as soon as I could. And to your delight, uh, did he answer the phone? He did not. I talked to his daughter, Carol, um, and then he called me back. He made me wait over the weekend, Mr. Taylor. (laughs) 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 And he called me on Monday and said the reason he had held off on calling me back is he was trying to dig up some information about his mother so he would have it whenever we talked. Mr. Taylor, this is Liz Mitchell again. I would like to know if your mother told you why she did not graduate. Why was she here only for a year and a half? Well, she got sick. She got sick. She had a nervous breakdown, and she had to give up uh, her college uh, studies. And uh, my father, who also was at, she met at Indiana U, uh, promised that she he would pay her uh, ex, uh, fees to go back to college if she wanted to go back, but that didn't happen. <laughs> and did she explain what caused her illness? Well, somewhat uh, by, uh, she had to work, and where she was working, uh, the work was very stressful. I mean, they tried to do everything, put on her everything they could do to, I don't know whether discourage her or what, and then she had a problem with the man in the house. Okay. If you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what, what you mean, yes. Um, Dina, you said you just kind of stumbled across all of this, and it has really blown up. The university rolled out the red carpet, the scholarship, the homecoming. Uh, I'm kind of curious, what has this done for your department at IU? Um, I, I hope that it has Uh, kind of put us on the map for folks a little bit more who may not have been aware that the university archives existed and what we do and what we can do. Um, You know, I, 
I've only been director of the university archives uh, for about six months. So for me, this has been fantastic to come up with this new find so early on in um, my directorship. Um, you know, I just, I just am so pleased that we were able to uncover this and that Mr. Taylor was able to share in all of this excitement. Mr. Taylor, um, a couple week weekends ago, and, and it, uh, it just seems like yesterday, but it, now some time has sort of elapsed from when you were back on campus, or, or yes, for the second time because you came down earlier um, in, the, in the fall. How did it feel, your reaction? Uh, what, what, how did you feel both being here and then as you were going home? Well, personally, I was elated. I just was lost for words, and I was telling the kids last night uh, when I got the plaque for Mother, uh, I almost broke down. One of my granddaughters said she kind of heard a waver in my voice when I was thinking. Uh, it, it was just tremendous for us. We, the grandchildren, well, there were grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and on down to the great 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 grandchildren. Uh but just so pleased that Indiana U took the uh, opportunity to give her this recognition after all these years. I, on the way home we just couldn't help but talk about the weekend or the two the one day in the weekend that we spent at Indiana U. It, it was just tremendous tremendous time for us as a family and uh, as i was saying we had about 40 family members at the weekend celebration which some knew their grandmothers others just know what they heard from us about their grandmother so it was quite a thing for us for to be remembered by indiana young um, for those who, who've just joined us, we're having a delightful conversation with Mr. Leon Parker-Taylor, who is the son of Carrie Parker, the first African-American woman to matriculate to Indiana University. And also joining us is uh, Ms. Dina Kellums, Director of Indiana University Archives and Records Management. Also bringing on contributor and, and uh, segment producer uh, Liz Mitchell and, of course, uh, William Hosea. Uh, Mr. Parker, I think congratulations are in order. Uh, you bowled the perfect game over the weekend. Well, it wasn't quite perfect. <laughs> but I did, I did bowl. I don't know how you got that. <laughs> well, Go with it. Well, Go with we're, it. We're, we're bringing on. <laughs> but I, I, I come right near it. I, uh, they have uh, no tap tournament in, 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 for my wife who did a lot of uh, service in the now branch of uh, bowling. And she was secretary for about 19, 20 years, and then she went into seniors uh, bowling and was secretary there. But we had a no-tap Saturday, and I just fell short 25 pins. I had a 275. A 275. And, and how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> Did I hear you were what? 99. 99. Now, now, now you, you bowl every week. Now, now this isn't just a rare occurrence. You, you're you in a bowling league. Yes, I, I bowl Monday and Tuesday uh, in the senior league. So, you know, there's something not natural about that. 
<laughs> and and I understand that there is a, a bowling tournament named in your honor or the family's honor? My wife and I. Oh. That's wonderful. We, we both have done a, a, put a lot of time in Niles Bowling League here and in the state league. In fact, uh, in the state league in 88, I won the state tournament for seniors. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Well, well, I have to. I just have to ask this question: Is is that the secret uh, for for healthy longevity? And when I say healthy longevity, sir, when I met you on both occasions, um, you did not, in my mind, look as if someone who's ninety nine. And it's a compliment to you maintaining good health. And there's also a secret now: Is it bowling? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I don't know. I- I've been bowling. I've just been bowling for forty-one years. Oh, oh yeah, this just forty-one years. Okay, that's all. <laughs> uh, Mr. Taylor, where where do you live now? I'm in Niles, Michigan. Okay, is uh, is your local community aware of what's going on with uh, with with uh, your mother's uh, history? No, that's what I was talking to uh, Mr. Boone about. Now I get home Monday. Uh, well, I get home Sunday. Yeah, Sunday when I got home, I picked up the paper. And what do I see in the paper? Indiana University girl gets hurt on a bicycle accident. Yeah. And I tried nothing about my mother or anything when we were down there before or or this weekend. And everything, I read Indiana University, Bloomington all the time, you know, in the South Bend Tribune. Mm-hmm. But this had not been in the Tribune or... Now, I didn't ask for it now, Daily Star, because now Daily Star uh, is a very small paper, but the South Bend Tribune people in Niles read it, and I am pretty well known in both South Bend and Niles. And so uh, it kind of discouraged me that it hasn't got to this area. Well, uh, uh, Mr. Taylor, I, I, I'm glad you, you pointed that out, and, and William, I'm glad you asked that question. A good colleague, friend of ours, Karen Land, um, is working her angles to mm-hmm. uh, attract interest from the South Bend Tribune. She has a good contact up there. Not to put Karen on the spot, but Karen mm-hmm. uh, told me that that's going to be one of the, I guess it is too late. <laughs> <laughs> but one of uh, Karen, Karen's on a mission, and, and my experiences with Karen uh, are that Karen, Karen gets it done. So uh, please know that we are making efforts to make them aware, pique their interest, and challenge them. Uh, so if there's a listener that has a relative or knows the editor, call them and tell them, bring it on set. Get some coverage on Miss Carrie Parker. And while you're at it, Mr. Leon Taylor, Mr. Leon Parker Taylor. Dina wants to get in there. I was just going to say, actually, Mr. Taylor, a reporter from South Bend called me on Friday and asked for your contact information. So if you haven't heard from her yet, you will. Well, I mean, it just, this was really, to me, something very important. Oh, yes. News. Yes. I mean, I'm not against a girl having an accident or anything like that. That's right. That's right. But if they can put that in there, they could put this in there. Somewhere between, they're not getting connections. And it just disappointed. It was disappointing to me that it didn't get in the South Bend paper. Well, well, our expectation is that a a remedy is in the making Mm -hmm. and some grand coverage. Because if I'm not mistaken, in a South Carolina paper. North Carolina paper. In a North Carolina paper, there was 
headline, front page, above the fold, mm-hmm. complete full the page whole. coverage. <laughs> and the Daily Herald, we're going to say the Daily Herald uh, of North, in North Carolina mm-hmm. uh, had a beautiful picture of your family. Wow. And, and, a, and an article on your mother. Yeah. And so, um, so Mr. Uh, Taylor, we are we're committed to to making you know to ensuring that South Bend Tribune yeah. uh, comes forth with uh, some adequate coverage on this. Now, one of the other highlights of that weekend, and one of uh, your granddaughters told me that you were very very impressed and and sort of moved by this this moment, is when we made your mother an honorary alumna of the Indiana University Alumni Association. And she indicated that that meant a lot to you. Can you share your thoughts on that? Well, like I was saying in the beginning, yes, when they give me that plaque as an honorary alumnus of Indiana University, I, I almost was in tears. It affected me that much, that and I appreciated it that much. I was almost, I, I just right now, it's hard to explain how gracious and thankful we are for the revelation of this to to those that got it and to those that may get it later. Because, as I say, we've known it for years. The, the our immediate family, our, my brothers and sisters, we knew it, and, and my grand, uh, my daughter knew it, and my brothers and sisters' children knew it. But, uh, And again, as mentioned at the top of the hour, uh, Mr. Leon Parker-Taylor, son of Kerry Parker-Taylor, who was Indiana University's first African-American woman to matriculate to IU in 1898. Uh, Leon passed away on Friday, October 25th at the age of 103. Our thanks again to Mr. Stafford Berry, Jr., director of the IU African-American Dance Company, for joining us to provide an overview of the African-American Arts Institute's Potpourri of the Arts uh, that will feature performances by the African-American Dance Company, the African-American Choral Ensemble, and the IU Soul Review with special host, Mr. Bootsy Collins. Our show's producer is yours truly, Clarence Boone, with help from the WFHB News Department. Tonight's board engineer was expertly uh, handled by Miss Sydney Foreman. Our original theme music was created by Jamil FM with additional background tracks by David Baker for WFHB. I'm Clarence Boone. And don't forget to cast your ballot for the candidate of your choice during tomorrow's City of Bloomington's general elections. To learn more, go to bsquarebeacon.com. That's B Square, B S Q U A R E B E A C O N.com. And also tune in next Monday, November the 11th, which is Veterans Day at 6 p.m. for another exciting edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.